In seeking the Lord about this week, I believe I received some instructions. Put up on the screen for me, please, uh, guys, Ephesians 1 and 15. And I want us to pray over ourselves this prayer and release our faith for answer of this prayer in this week and the days following this week. Let me read it to you and then we'll, then we'll pray it afterwards. You're familiar with it, many of you. Ephesians 1.15 says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. Well, I'm reading the English Standard Version. I'll read it this way. I, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love to all the saints. Verse 16. I cease not to give thanks for you and making mention of you in my prayers. Keep going. That God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Do we know this is a good prayer? Yes. Do we know this is a prayer God will hear? Yes. And if we know he hears it, what else do we know? Amen. We know that we have the petitions. We, there's no question it, that it might not be God's will to hear and answer this prayer. No question. Keep reading. The eyes of your understanding, many translations say your heart, being enlightened that you may know something. Does the Lord want us to know something? That we may know what the hope of his calling is. We may know what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Are these things we need to know? We should know. Keep going. Verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness? Now, of the translations, you can tell they search for words to describe this. The unmeasurable greatness, some of them say, incalculable greatness. The exceeding, I like the way the King James said it, the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. And how many know when he did that. He gave him a name. Which is above every name. That is named. Hallelujah. Far above all principality. And power and might and dominion. And every name. That is named. Not only in this world. But also in that which is to come. Anything that's been bugging you. It's got a name. I said, it's got a name, and there is a name above that name, and that's what we're going to be talking about some this week. But also in that which is to come, keep going, and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, that's us, that's us, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Everybody stand on your feet. We're not just going through the motions now. Let's release our faith on this. I'll lead you. Just say it out loud after me. Father God. Father God we ask you. We ask you in, the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. To give us. To give us corporately. corporately and, individually, and individually. Tonight. tonight this, week, this week. The days following. The, days following, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of you, we ask you to enlighten the eyes 
of our hearts and minds and calls us to know the hope of your calling, which is our calling. And what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, our inheritance? And what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe according to the working of your great might? That you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead, set him at your right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule, all power, all authority, all dominion, and every name that is named. Not only in this world, but in the one to come, reveal to us how you've put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, us, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Oh, thank you, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. We believe we receive it in Jesus' name. We expect it. We'll look for it. We'll seek it. And we'll find it. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So be it. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews now, the 10th chapter. In Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and uh, 38. 38 says, now the just shall live, how? By faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. So if you draw back, that's the opposite of stepping forward in faith. You'd be drawing back in unbelief. And that's not going to please the Lord. He said, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. I don't want that phrase connected to me. Do you? The Lord will say, my soul has no pleasure in him. That may it not be. So what's the solution? Don't draw back in unbelief, but move forward in faith. Somebody say forward, forward. In, faith. in faith. Keep reading. What? I mean like this phrase. But we are not of them who draw back. Amen. Anybody want to say that out loud? We are not of them who draw back. We're not of them who draw back unto perdition or destruction. But we're of them that believe. Got any believers in here? Got any faith people? Faith people and don't care who knows it. Let them mock and make their little snide remarks. We're not ashamed. You one of them faith people. 
No, I'm not just one of them. I'm a ringleader in the bunch. Right? I'm responsible for affecting other people. To be faithful. Right? Is that what you? I'm talking about you. Not just me. All of us. We're not of them who draw back, but we are of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And what happens next in the scripture here? Chapter 11. Now faith is. And he starts talking about faith. What it is. What it has done in people's lives and through them. How nations were affected. How amazing miracles happened. Now what did he the Spirit of God warn us about drawing back in unbelief. Back on up to the fourth chapter of Hebrews. This is a theme of this book, what we just read in those verses. It's a theme of the book, Hebrews. Chapter 4 and 1, let us therefore fear Lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. This is a concern. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as to them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now he's talking about that first generation of the seed of Abraham that he delivered out of Egyptian bondage. He went to great lengths to get them out of there, didn't he? Did he go to great lengths to save us? Oh, yeah. But that was not the end. I mean, he moved nature and heaven and earth, and Egypt had to let them go, right? They weren't going to. Pharaoh was never going to let them go. But he had no choice. And he brought them out with silver and with gold. And there was not one feeble person among all their tribes. Out of all their millions. Not one broke. Not one sick. They all had silver and gold. They all had healing. Have money. Feel good. We'll travel. You ready. Right? And they were. They were ready, healed, fixed up, and financed for the journey. And they were supposed to believe God and go through that wilderness and learn some faith lessons and learn some obedience lessons and not too long get right on through there and get to the land that God had chosen for them, the land that flowed with milk and honey. Right? Where you won't lack for any good thing. You won't be short. I mean he told them about the precious metals. He told them about the springs that came out of the ground. He said I water it myself. I watch over it. He said I looked everywhere. And this is what I picked out for you. But. Did they just go through the. The barren wasteland. And going into the promised land. They did not. And that's what he's talking about right here. He said, just like they had a promise, they had Canaan's land, they had all these things given to them, and yet it didn't profit them, it didn't benefit them, because they didn't mix faith with what they heard. Verse 3, for we which have believed do enter into rest, 
As I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. It was predetermined that they go into this good land and enjoy it. It was the plan of God, the will of God, but that first generation did not. Verse 5, in this place he said, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in, why? Because of unbelief. They didn't enter in because of unbelief. Skip down to verse 9. There remains therefore a rest to the people of God. They were supposed to go into the promised land and get homes they didn't build. Orchards and vineyards they didn't plant. Right? And then, though they had been in slavery, and then they had been through all those challenges and seen all those plagues and those disasters, and though they had been through those challenging times in the wilderness, they were supposed to go in there and go, ah, I'm home. Look at those peach trees. I'm going to put my hammock right over there. Look at those vineyards. Look look at that house. Now, that doesn't mean you're never going to have to uh, live by faith. You, again, you're still going to have to live by faith. But there's a rest that the people of God are to enter into. Where every need is met. Where the plan of God is known and fulfilled. Do you believe it? There remains a rest to the people of God. Everybody say it out loud. There remains a rest. There remains rest. To the people of God. See, he's saying that the rest in Canaan's land, that was a type of our rest that we have in Christ. He said, for he that is entered into his rest, he has ceased from his own works as God did from his. The way of faith is not the way of working for it. It's the way of resting in it. And though we're supposed to be diligent, in our labors for the Lord, yet living by faith, you don't have to work by the sweat of your brow and try to pay your bills through your own efforts. While you're seeking first the kingdom of God, He'll add all those things to you and your needs will just be met, be met, be met, be met. And you can rest in it while the things get bigger and bigger and bigger and the money comes in easier than it did last time. We're experiencing that in these churches, in this ministry. Our projects keep getting bigger and it keeps getting easier. The money's coming in quicker and easier as it gets bigger. People say, oh, Brother Keith, what about all that? You know, what if this comes up? What if that comes up? Man, you're talking to the wrong person. I like what Brother Jesse Duplantis said one time. Eh, Brother Copeland was with him on Brother Copeland's broadcast. I believe it was. And he said, well, Jesse, you know, what do you do when all these TV bills come in and all this stuff come? He said, I hold them up and I go, Jesus, you got mail. <laughs> I like that. I feel just that way. <laughs> I'm not the provider. I'm not the source. 
I don't have to work it up. I don't have to come up with it. I don't have to beat the path. I don't have to convince everybody. And when you're not trying to do all that, you know what you can do instead? You can rest. You can rest that it's all going to be taken care of. It's all going to be fine. You can rest and enjoy your day. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the church. Enjoy the ministry. Rest in him. Somebody said out loud. There is a rest. To the people of God. Another way of saying that is there is a way of faith. There's a life of faith. The life of faith is the life of rest. Rest in him because we which have believed, what happens? We enter into rest. He that's entered into his rest, he ceased from his own works as God did from his. Straining, worrying, pushing, trying to make it happen. That's not how we're supposed to live. Verse 11. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God. What's your solution? How do you get out of this laboring for it? Working for it? Hmm? Quit looking at the needs. Quit looking at the problems. Quit listening to what everybody's saying. And get to looking at the word of God. The word of God. It's quick. It's living. It's alive. It's powerful. We're reading some of it right now. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joint and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that's not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He finishes up this chapter in verse 16 by saying, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Hallelujah. And get everything you need. Not by striving and struggling and laboring. But by resting. Because it's by grace. That we may obtain mercy and find the grace to help in the time of need. Back up to the third chapter. All this flows together. We're just reading it the other way. Verse 7 of chapter 3. As the Holy Ghost says today if you will hear his voice. If you will. Harden not your hearts. As in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me. Proved me. Saw my works 40 years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation. And said they do always err in their heart. They have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath. They shall not enter into my rest. Take heed brethren. Now see we, that we keep hearing that. That's what he said in verse 1 of chapter 4. That same kind of thing. Take heed. What does take out? How would you say that in Arkansas? Watch out. Right? Somebody say, watch out. Watch out. Watch out for what? What's so serious that he keeps bringing it up and saying, watch out for this. Take heed, lest there be in any of you 
an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Unbelief is a most serious condition. And it is far too common. You know, Jesus, he was irritated on more than one occasion. Remember when the man brought his lunatic son to him that day when he looked around and said, how long am I going to put up with you? Right? Faithless. What did he say? Faithless and twisted generation. How long am I to be with you? How long am I going to put up with you? Did you know other scriptures said, when the master comes, shall he find faith in the earth? Faith is precious and sadly somewhat rare. A lot of what people call faith is actually tradition. What faith are you? People say. And their concepts and positions, they call that their faith. But no, we're talking about what God lives by and operates by. We're talking about what he creates the universe with, what he made us with, what he operates by. And that's what the justified are themselves to live by. Sit out loud, I live by faith. Living faith. I walk by faith. God's own faith. See, it's a measure of his own faith, isn't it? It is precious. And just because you are part of the so-called faith crowd and got faith books and faith bumper stickers and have been to some faith conferences, it's not the same as having some. Are y'all with me now? This is where a lot of folks are confused because they say, well, man, you know, I've been struggling with this same thing for 18 years and just can't get into that, you know. And people, and they say, well, I'm, I'm a faith man. Yeah, I know you're supposed to live by faith. I got that. What do I need? Faith. No, I'm a faith man. I've been listening to Brother Hagin's ministry and everybody else for the last 30 some years. You know, I got all that. What do you think I need? Faith. You need faith. Oh, I got faith. I got faith. I just don't know what's wrong. Don't know why it's not working. That's not how faith talks. Faith doesn't talk about how it's not working. Faith calls those things that be not as though they were. Right? You see how subtle it is? How subtle it is. Oh, friends, what I'm saying is, a whole lot of folks think they got a lot more faith than they actually do. Now you could have. The potential is there all the time. But we live in a world full of unbelief. It's everywhere. It's all over the place. And all you got to do to be unbelieving is just wake up and go with the flow. Just talk like everybody else. Think like everybody else. And you'll be talking unbelief and won't even notice it. Because everybody else is talking the same thing. Including a lot of preachers. Including a lot of faith preachers. Reckon any faith preachers ever talked unbelief? Certainly. And he's cautioning us. 
Verse 12, look at it again. Take heed. Somebody say, watch out. Watch out, brothers. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Now, the Bible talks about two different reasons for unbelief. I'm not saying the only two, but I'm aware of these in the New Testament. Paul said that all the stuff he did persecuting the body of Christ before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and got saved, he said, I got mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. You remember that phrase? I did it ignorantly in unbelief. This is an unbelief born of ignorance. And there are many on the planet right there, they don't believe things because they don't know. They've never seen it. They don't understand it. And so they don't believe it. But there's another kind, another cause of unbelief. And it's mentioned numerous places. For instance, when Jesus uh, had risen from the dead and the women had told the disciples and then the two guys on the road to Emmaus, they told the disciples and other folks told and they didn't believe. They still thought, ah, them women's crazy. And Jesus had told them he's going to raise from the dead numerous times before he did and the tomb is empty and nobody can find him and they're still going. And the women came back and said, we saw him, we saw him. And they said, ah, y'all are just excited. Worked up, emotional. Y'all are just, and, and that people kept saying, We saw him, we saw him, he's raised from the dead. And when Jesus showed up, the Bible said he reproved them, didn't he? Yes. For their hardness of heart, he said, Oh, slow to believe, didn't he? Yes. Hardness of heart and their unbelief. This unbelief is not because you don't know, it's because you refuse to believe. It's an unpersuadableness. And it's called right here evil. It is, isn't it? When you see it, you've heard it, you know it, you've got every reason to believe it, but you won't. You refuse to be persuaded. That's evil. I said that's evil. And it can cost you dearly. It can hold you out. Isn't that what we're reading about? Did they miss out? That first generation, did they miss out on the promised land? None of them got to enjoy it. Except Caleb, Joshua. None of them. They all perished out there. Why? Because they couldn't be persuaded. Keep reading. Verse 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily. We're supposed to help each other with this. How? God give us a good word? And our brother or our sister, somebody saying, I just don't know, that sounds too good to be true. Maybe that's, I don't know, how in the world could that ever happen? We're supposed to go, what? After everything God's done for you? What about last year when he healed your baby? Huh? What about the first of this year when he paid off that thing on your car? What about this? What about that? What about the other? How are you going to stand there and say you don't know God can do this? You've seen him do stuff. We've heard him do stuff. What do you mean? And I'm not just talking about, I know I'm saying it kind of strong, I'm not just talking about coming down on each other, but we're supposed to exhort and encourage one another. Amen. Around here, Faith Life Church here and in Sarasota, we talk about faith buddies. 
You need relationships in your local family church. People that fellowship with each other. And people you can just call up and say, tell me how healed I am. <laughs> huh? Yes. And you shouldn't have to say another word. I mean, you shouldn't have to say, and they're not going to come back and say, how do you feel, baby? What's wrong? No, no, that's not what faith buddies do. That's why they're calling. They got more than they want to see and more than they want to feel. Tell, tell me, tell me how blessed I am financially and materially. Tell, tell me what a great big source I got. And on the other end, you hear some joy kick in. You hear, what? You got the biggest source on the planet. Your daddy created planets and the sun, the stars and the mountains and the ocean. Your daddy brings water out of the rock and flies in fresh quail without an airplane. Your daddy, your daddy. And I know you, I know you, you got seed in the ground. You got a lot of seed in the ground. And the Bible is true. And he supplies all your needs. And if you're on the other end, you just keep going until you start hearing amen on the other end. You start getting some feedback. What do you mean? Well, you start punching. It's like putting gas in your car. Even if you didn't have a gauge in the dash, you'd know when it was full. You just keep pumping in there till it starts kicking back out the mouth. And then you know you got it full. So you just keep kicking it in the ear until you start seeing something come out of their mouth. It may be a little slow at first, but then they'll go, okay. That's a little bubbling going on there. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Tell me that again. Yeah. Whoo, glory. Yeah. Yeah, see, it's getting full. It's getting full. It's coming on out. Just like unbelief will keep you out, faith will get you on in. Hey. Verse 12 say watch out Watch out He said brothers Lest there be in any of you An evil heart of unbelief Now these Christians he's talking about Brothers In departing from the living God But exhort one another daily How often you need this You need this daily You know why Because you're getting some other junk daily Right You need something to combat The other stuff you're getting you're getting unbelief. You're getting fed fear. You're getting fed doubt. And unbelievers and even Christians that don't know better will talk it around you. And, right? And, and so you 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 got to combat it. you got to be fed. Daily. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we're made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. It's not enough to just jump up and get excited and sow a good seed and make a good confession. You got to stay with this thing. Right? The next day and the next and the next week and the next week. And people say, well, I'm mean, standing for three months. Well, glory to God, you're three months closer than you've ever been. Right? You got that three months behind you. You stand as long as it takes. For we are made partakers of Christ. 
If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. They heard that God had given them the land. They knew what he had already done for them. They had people in their midst. You can't say they couldn't believe. Caleb and Joshua saw the same thing the other spies saw. Didn't they? They saw the same giants they saw. They saw the same walled cities. They saw it all. And they stood up and said, we can do this thing. God is with us. He's left them. It's ours. Come on. Let's go get our mountains and our vineyards and our houses. Come on. Come on. Come on. But they could not persuade them. They were unpersuadable. Not ignorant unpersuadable God's been getting them ready for this miracle of Canaan land from the first time he spoke to Moses on the backside of the desert and said I've heard their prayers I'm sending you right they've got all this stuff they've seen miracle after miracle they've seen judgments on Egypt they've seen how they've been protected and spared. They've seen how they've been healed. They've seen how money have flowed to them. Right? Yes. No way they could stand up and say, well, I've never seen God do anything. I don't know how he could do this for. They have seen time after time. Haven't they? Yes. Time after time. Man, they've seen the Red Sea split. They've seen manna come out of the sky. They've seen water flow out of a rock enough to feed water millions of people and livestock. They've they've seen it. They've seen it. They've seen it. And friend, when you see it and you've heard it and you've seen it and you've heard it and you've seen it and you've heard it and God says, I got something else I'm going to do for you. And you look up and go, well, I don't know how that could ever be. You're lying. You do know how it could be. You've seen him do it scores of times. I don't know how that, that, how could that ever come to pass? And if nobody can persuade you, you're in trouble. I said you're in trouble. Were they in trouble when nobody could persuade them? And Caleb and Joshua trying to encourage them, couldn't persuade them. Now you see how far off they are. When Caleb and Joshua tried to persuade them, what did they do? They picked up rocks. People who want to stay in unbelief find people of faith unbearable they don't want to hear a good report they don't want you to come in and tell them how big God is and how we can have a miracle they don't want to hear that makes them mad they'll look at you and cry and go you don't know you don't know what it's like You, you don't know what I've been through do you know they don't know does it matter but see You can make a decision. Anybody can make a decision to cling to a refusal to believe. See, Thomas started down this road, didn't he? After all the evidences. He said, well, I don't care. I'm not going to believe. Unless I see it myself. And I touch Jesus myself. I want to put my finger in the hole on his, in his hand, I want to put my hand in that where that spear was. I want to see it and feel it before myself. Or I won't believe. 
that is not okay. That is that I've got to see it for myself. I've got to feel it for myself. I've got to be happy with it. That's a whole lot of you. You, 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 you. And Jesus corrected him. He said, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are the ones who haven't seen. And yet they believe. Not the ones who wouldn't believe unless they saw. Who's blessed? The ones that will believe when they don't see it. And they don't feel it. They don't know how. That's who get the big stuff. He said. Verse 16. For some when they had heard did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned? Whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? Was that God's plan for them to die out there in the wilderness? Did they experience hardship? A dry, that desert is representative of a dry, blessingless, minimalist, survivalist life. You reckon there's any believers in the world living a dry, survivalist. They're they're a, a person of God, but they're living a bare, bleak, survivalist existence. And people think, well, it was the will of God because I've been living like this for 30 years. Well, they did for 40 years, and it wasn't the will of God either. Just because you've been living a certain way a long time does not prove the will of God. He went on to say, to whom swear that he should not enter into his rest, but to them that what? Believed not. Verse 19, so we see that they could not enter in. Why? Huh? This is such a significant word. Why couldn't they get in? They didn't have the money. They didn't have the training. They didn't have the soldiers. They didn't have the weaponry. The giants were too big. Those cities been there for who knows how long. Decades, centuries. The walls were impenetrable. That's why they couldn't get in. Huh? Huh? Why couldn't they get in? Unbelief. Why can't people be healed? Because age is incurable. Huh? Heart disease too far advanced. Parts are destroyed. Can't be done. What keeps people out? Unbelief. Relationships, families. Why can't they be put back together? Why can't people be happy again? Why? Too much been said and done. Too much water under the bridge. Those are not scriptures. <laughs> How about all things are possible to him that believes? How about? Man, the economy such a mess. Lost my job. So I can't keep my house. I can't pay off this. I can't have that. That's not why you can't have it. Yeah, but it's $3 million and I got $30 in the bank. That's not why you can't have it. I lost somebody somewhere. That's why I can't have it. Because I don't know any rich people. And I was born in so-and-so place and, and, and I'm a man or I'm a woman or I'm this or I'm that or, or I don't speak English very well and my vocabulary is lousy and that's why I can't have it. No. That's why I can't have it. No. I'm not tall enough. No. Huh? 
I'm too heavy. That's why I can't have it. That's why I can't be a part. How many know there are thousands and thousands of reasons why you can't? If you'll believe it. If you'll accept it. But none of them are true. I said none of them are true. None of them are true. What holds people out? Unbelief. That's why he keeps saying, caution, watch out for it, take heed, be on your guard about this. Why? Because it's sneaky, it's subtle, because it's all around us all the time. That's why we need a daily exhortation of faith, regular infusion. You get full of faith enough, you won't let anything or anybody tell you that you can't have it. You don't even have to be ugly about it. You, you, you're just smiling. It just goes go right past you. Yeah. Just say, well, I'm sorry, but no, you're not qualified. And I'm sorry, but no. And you, you don't know this. And I'm sorry, but we don't want somebody like you. And we're sorry. And you'll just smile and go, hmm. <laughs> and it won't mean a thing to you. You will still be completely convinced that it is yours. And you are getting it. And you are having it. And you'll be in the company of Caleb. You'll be in the company of Joshua. You'll be in the company of the great heroes of this hall of fame of faith. Nobody could tell them. They couldn't take the land. Nobody, Nobody could make them believe that they couldn't have it. And have it all. Glory to God. Said out loud again, we are not. I am not of those that draw back in unbelief. I'm a believer. I'm a, I'm a faith person. I believe what he said. Go back with me to Numbers 13 and let's get more light on what happened here. Because it's completely relevant to us. The New Testament says those things that are written are written as in samples, examples for us for right now. Is Hebrews in the New Testament? And what's he talking about? He's talking about those guys who failed to go in, who had a, an evil heart of unbelief. In Numbers, the 13th chapter, the Lord is answering our prayer already. Hallelujah. It's happening right now. Thank you, Master. Thank you. Thank you, Master. Glory to God. The people who in days to come and months to come and not many years to come would have missed some things because of refusing to believe. But that's going to be changed this week. Hallelujah. It's, just, it's being changed right now. And by the grace and goodness and mercy of the Lord, that hardness of heart is being chipped away. Hmm? That ungodly and, and worldly uh, skepticism and unbelief and, and rebelliousness is being, I, I can almost see like solvent on it. <laughs> melting it so that then we're going to take the fire hose whoosh, and blast it off of you later 
Tonight the solvent's sitting on you. Let her soak. Let her soak. Soak in the word. I'm supposed to explain all that. I don't know if I can, but I see it. I see it. And the exciting thing is that in time to come where some folks would have shut down, pulled back, quit, they won't. They won't. They won't. They will actually surprise some people. They will surprise some people with their faith. Some other people, they're supposed to be big faith hotshots. They're going to be wavering around some. And at that time, you're going to step up and go, I believe it. I'm on it. I'm hooked. I'm committed. I'm going. And they'll look around and go, well, where did you get some faith? And it will have been working all that time from now until then. God is never behind, never behind, never behind. And we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. And this is one of the most valuable parts of us coming together and having meetings like this, is that we come, if there's not some personal agenda, hidden stuff behind it, if we're really all of us coming with the right heart, we present ourselves before the Lord and we say, Lord, give us what we need. Give us what we're willing to change. And he does. He does. He takes advantage of these opportunities. And he does good things in us. Working in us. Somebody said out loud, he's working in me. To will and to do. Of his good pleasure. He's working in me. That which is well pleasing. In his sight. To fulfill his perfect plan for my life. Glory to God. (laughs) God, you are so smart. You are so, how can you say it? Amazing. Numbers 13, did you find it? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, I didn't stop and preface it, but that last uh, few minutes was, Thus saith the Lord. Do you know that? Numbers 13. Numbers 13. We see the story of what happened. This is all part of our preparation. Even though you might have read this or heard this numerous times before, don't read it like you know all about it, because you know you don't. Right? Let's... uh, when the Bible keeps saying, take heed, watch about this, should we take him seriously? Should... That means there's a whole lot of things he could have brought up that he didn't because they're not that significant. But this is. In Numbers 13, how did it happen with them that they came so far and yet didn't go in? There's so much happened and yet the plan wasn't fulfilled. 1317. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. He said, get up the southward and go to the mountain. See the land. What it is. And the people that dwell in it, if they're strong or weak, few or many. See, they didn't know what they were like. They just know God said, this is the place. Should we trust the Lord? 
Now, when the Lord does something for you, gives you things, he doesn't tell you about all the problems ahead of time. (laughs) On purpose. And he knows that when you find out, it's going to surprise you and it's going to challenge you. And that's all part of it. That's all part of it. That's one of his favorite parts. Is that you have an opportunity when all these things jump up in your face to trust in him and not be moved. And oh, it pleases him. How many believe faith pleases your father? When everybody else is panicking and shaking and cracking and crying and you stand up and go, well, I'm telling you what, now God has never failed us and he's not going to now. And he is on the throne. And none of these things move me. I'm telling you. That makes the Lord want to reach over and say. That's my boy. (laughs) That's my girl. You believe it? It pleases him. Why? It's a direct reflection of your love to him. Your love and faith in him. Faith works by that love. Keep going. And he said, check it out and see what what it's like, good or bad. And uh, be a good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Show us what's out there. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob as the men came from Hamath. They ascended, tells where they went, what they saw. Verse 23, they came to Eshcol and they found a branch with a cluster of grapes. And they had to bear it between two men on a stick. You might say a lot of grapes. And they brought pomegranates. And they brought figs. And the grapes were so outstanding that they named the place Eshcol after the big cluster of grapes. I guess it meant people that knew the language thought they'd be like reading the sign on the road going and said, big grape cluster. (laughs) Three miles ahead. (laughs) And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran and to Kadesh. And they brought them back word. They brought them back a report to all the congregation and they showed them the fruit of the land. Now what do you think was the atmosphere out there that day? These people were born in slavery. They've been treated like animals all their life. Had nothing. Could own nothing. Not in control of their own Desires and visions and plans. And miraculously, as miraculously as anything's ever been done, God, with a high hand, mighty arm, he brought the strongest nations in the world to its knees until they were asking them, pretty please leave and here's some pearls. (laughs) Pretty please go And pray for me, please. And here's some diamond rings. Here's a sack of gold. You want the silver? (laughs) Nobody could have done it. Except God. And after all of this. I mean, you talk about having been through some stuff. Having had some experiences. And now they're at the border. Of the land they've been hearing about. That God himself has said, this is the place I've picked for you. And it is outstanding. It is 
the best. And it's yours. Oh, he told them what's going to happen for them. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to dig out these precious metals. You're going to have the finest crops. And so what do you think the atmosphere out there was that day? What do you think? The people were, you know, they were just hyped to hear about it. Because now here's going to be some people they know that have been there and seen it and experienced it. And they're just sure that next thing is going to happen. We're going to get it. But they brought back word and they showed them the fruit of the land. What do you think they thought when they saw the fruit? Huh? What do you think was going through the, you know, we know there's millions of people out there. 603,000 plus soldiers. You add to that the older men and women, you add the, the women, you add that to the kids. Millions of people. At least a couple million. And what do you think was going through the crowd? Did you see them grapes? i never seen a bunch of grapes like that in my life. Did you see the pomegranates? That's the prettiest pomegranates I ever laid my... And did you smell them? Whoo, I got to have me some of them pomegranates. The word, the, what the Lord says got to be true. Look at it. Look at the fruit. Look at it. And they told him and said, We came to the land where you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey. And here's the proof. Here's the fruit of it. And probably everyone was thinking, I told you, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. Verse 28 is when it all started going wrong. Hmm? King James says, nevertheless, but what would we say down here in South Missouri? But. (laughs) Oh yeah, now God can heal. No question. But. Oh, yeah, God made the heaven and earth. Pay your bills? Sure, he could pay your bills. He could. But. Oh. I know we're laughing, but it it ain't funny. Because this is where everything. I I don't know if if we understand how significant this is. It was established from the foundation of the world. That these people go into this beautiful land at this time. It's the plan of God. It's the will of God. And it didn't happen. I'm going to say that again. I know that hurts your religious ears, don't it? Is it true or not? It's the will of God. Is it the will of God for them to go into the promised land? We just got through reading in Hebrews. From the foundation of the world, it was planned and made ready and established. And God got them out of Egypt. He did everything it took and he got them there. And now all they got to do is keep leaving him and keep moving forward and get it. And it did not happen. The plan of God was interrupted, thwarted suspended by what? By unbelief. So you hear a lot of people saying, well, God God gets ready for something to happen. It's going to happen. Oh, really? 
Have you read the Bible? God, we've been talking about this on Sunday mornings. God's in control. (laughs) Of what? Everything. (laughs) Everything. Really? Everything. God is almighty. He's sovereign. And in control of everything. I mean, this is believed by millions. And I'll say quickly, so he's in control of you. He was in complete control of everything you said and did today. Everywhere you went, everything you didn't do, everything you watched, everything you, you know, the fact that you ate cornflakes instead of raisin bran, that was God. God's in control of you. No, he's not. I do believe he's almighty. I do believe he's all wise. I do believe he knows the end from the beginning. And I do believe that his plan will be done. The question is, will you and I be a part of it? Was there a group of his people that went into the promised land? Yes, there was. Four decades later. But it wasn't them. God's will, when you're talking about his purposes, his kingdom plans, they will be done. Ain't no devil going to stop it. Ain't no man going to stop it. But will you be a part of it? Will I be a part of it? That is not set in cement. Because he really has given us a free will. And he's not going to make us be a part. So even though it was the will of God, here's where it all starts turning and changing. Verse 28, what they say? Nevertheless, what? They just discounted God. When God says something, your first response better not be, yeah, but. Or you just disrespected him. Didn't you? You just disrespected him. When God says something, What's the appropriate response? Amen's a good one. Amen means so be it. When God says something, are you or I or any man or woman qualified, know enough, have enough wisdom, have enough experience to stand and look at him and go, well, that's all fine and good, but... Huh? You're not qualified. I'm not qualified. They weren't qualified to say, yeah, yeah. It's like God said, but except the people that live there are strong and the cities are walled. Now, you'll notice this. When people start yielding to unbelief, they start exaggerating. (laughs) It's not just the pain. It's the worst pain anybody's ever had. (laughs) Because that's how the enemy feeds it to you. He wants you to focus on yourself. And he wants you to feel sorry for yourself. And if you'll yield to it, he'll feed it night and day until you start believing it. 
And then you're in trouble, man. You're in trouble. That's when you become self-deluded. You're deceived, which means you're believing things are true that are not true. And you are the one causing you to believe stuff is not true. So how are you going to get fixed? When you, what you're believing is true is not true. And you're the one causing it. And it all starts with, poor baby. Bless your heart. That Moses. Drug y'all out here? You lost 30 pounds out here in this desert. <laughs> Ain't had a chicken casserole <laughs> in a year and a half. Manna. We've had manna flakes, manna bagels, manna porridge, manna enchiladas, manna soup, manna cake and pie. Bless your heart. Am I telling the truth or not? Did it happen like that? Until it got to the point where they said, I want a watermelon. They got watermelons in Egypt. Let's go get us some. Maybe we can get our old jobs back. <laughs> really? How unthankful is it? How ignorant and unthankful is it to be standing out here a free man with good clothes on your back, money in your pocket, you and your babies healed, promise of the Canaan's land right over there. And yet you, all you can say is, ain't no way. Ain't no way. I know it's, yeah, they got grapes, yeah, they got. When you say yeah like that, when you say but, and you say nevertheless, this is evil. This is how the devil talks. This is how God's, see God's enemy doesn't respect him. The enemy of God slanders God. He blasphemes God. He mocks God's precious and holy things. And you and I ought to be a planet away from it. We ought to say never, never are those kind of tones come out of my mouth. And faith doesn't talk that way. Faith is respectful. Anybody remember the uh, centurion? Jesus remarked about his faith. What made his faith so amazing? What was the thing Jesus talked about? What did he say? He said, Master, you don't even have to come to my house. You just say it. You give the word. Why? Because I'm a man under authority and I have people under me. And when I get orders, I do them. And when my men hear me give them an order, they do it. When I say go, they go. When I say come, they come. And I know you say it, it's done. Would you please give the command? And Jesus looked around. He smiled. He said, now boys, that's what I'm talking about. Right. I hadn't seen faith like that in all the area where all the leaders of the synagogue were and all the so-called prophets. Come on, are y'all listening to me? The Sadducees, the he said, I hadn't seen faith like that anywhere in the country. Why? Because when you just take God at his word and you say, well, that's it, it's done, it honors God. 
you're showing that you respect him. You believe him. When he tells you something and you slide around and you go, well, I know it's said all them scriptures in there. What, you, what are you about to say? Anybody, what are you about to say? I, I know it said by his stripes. I know he said he meets all my needs. What are you about to say? What are you about to say? Is it okay for you to go there? It's not, it's dangerous. Dangerous. Your whole life can go off the rails. You can completely miss the plan of God for decades and run out of time in your life and just miss it. Doesn't mean that you lost, that you're going to hell. But you missed out on what you were supposed to have in this life. Missed out on what you were supposed to be doing. Missed out on the rewards that you were supposed to have in the kingdom of God. I want somebody to say it out loud again. I am not not of those that draw back back. in unbelief. unbelief. Nope. 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 They said, but the people are strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. You've never seen walls like this, and people like this. You've never seen people like this. We saw the children of Anak. They whispered it. Anak. Cancer. Eight million dollars. Reverencing the enemy is a sign of defeat that you're already beat. You know how you got to talk? You got to talk like David. They said, Have you seen this guy? Have you seen him? He is eight, nine, and when people start talking, it just gets bigger and bigger. He's 15 foot tall. He's wide as the back of a bus, man. You've never seen muscles like on this guy. Have you seen his spear? Big as a big as a telephone pole. It's huge. And that whole bunch had talked like that for weeks. And as a result, faith comes by hearing. You know what else comes by hearing? Fear. Fear comes by hearing until they're all hiding in the ditches and hiding in the caves. Why? Have you seen this awful giant, this man killer? Man, he'd snap your neck with three fingers. Whoa. He was a giant. He was big. Cancer is a disease. Ten million dollars is more than 25. Huh? But if you, when you get over impressed with it, And you start singing the praises of how big it is and how bad it is and how hard it is and how deep it is and how awful it is. You'll see no miracle. David, 17 year old boy, comes out there with some sandwich materials. He said, daddy sent me with some sandwich stuff. How y'all doing? How's the fight going? Here, man, some good cheese. There's some cheddar in there. And there's some pumpernickel and wheat. Yeah, man. No problem. Yeah, glad to be here. How's it going? How much fighting going on today, is it? 
<laughs> no fighting for eight weeks? None? Isn't that them right over there? <laughs> well, what's the problem? And I thought you'd, I thought y'all'd be fighting, man. I thought y'all'd be. I thought it'd be on. <laughs> and, and they said, "Have you seen that awful monster, Goliath? Have you seen him?" <laughs> no. What's a Goliath? <laughs> hey, you. Man, somebody, shh, shh, don't say it too loud. He may hear you. He's got his <laughs> and if you start yielding to it, the enemy will feed. By this time, Goliath has evil legends. Yeah. He sprang out of a dark pit in the recesses somewhere. <laughs> He's, he has supernatural power and bolts of fire come out of his eyes. And, he killed 30 guys at a grocery store just because he didn't like the way they looked at him. You know, he's, he's a mojo bad, bad dude. And, uh, <laughs> he was bad, but ain't nobody that bad. And compared to God, ain't nobody even bad. As far as being a challenge or problem to him. If God be for you, and you know what David said then? That they told him that he had cussed God. And boy, when they said that, say what? He cussed God? Yeah, he'd been coming out there every day and he, and he marches up and down and cusses God for a good 30 minutes and then he calls us all yeller. <laughs> he talked bad about my mama yesterday. <laughs> David said, he cussed God. He cussed God every day the last 45 days. He cussed God? And y'all sitting here? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dares? defy the living God. Yeah. Who, is, who is? He won't say giant. He won't say bad dude. You know who an uncircumcised Philistine is? A no covenant nobody. No covenant nobody. What if this whole bunch Instead of getting here and trying to convince everybody that was happy and excited to go into the promised land. Instead of trying to convince them of how tall the walls were and how impossible it was. What if all of them had said what David had said? What if they had stood up and talked some faith with Joshua and Caleb? What a different story. And I know when we're together like this and we're talking about it and it's real plain to us, you think, well, who in the world would do that instead of this? Millions every day. Church people, including some so-called faith people, word people, are doing the same thing these guys did. And the language is the same today. But I know, I know, I know. I got all the tapes. I got the books. I know. I know the things. What are they about to say? But. 
But this is different. This is serious. And we're going to need some other things. Other than what? Other than the blood? Other than the finished work of Christ? What, what else are we going to need? Boy, when David said that, it sent ripples through the crowd. Faith shows up unbelief and fear. When this little young strapping boy starts talking like this, it made the other guys mad. Like, what are you doing out here? You talking so big. You ain't the one has got to go fight him. And here's what changed everything. He said, I will fight him. What? Crazy boy? He said, I will fight him. I will fight him. I will fight him. Faith starts stirring in you. And then it starts to percolate. And then it starts to roll. Come on, are y'all listening to me? It just gets stronger and stronger in you. And so he'd go from one to the other. So he could say it again. He said, how about that Goliath? The guy that kills him, what does he get? <laughs> they said, well, he gets the king's daughter. And she's pretty. And he doesn't have to pay, his whole family never has to pay taxes again. Oh, yeah. I'm your man. He said, I'm your man. Pretty girl. No taxes for life. This is a no-brainer. Where is he? Where is he? And David's brothers came over and said, shut up. You look, where's your sheep at? You over here sticking your nose where it don't belong? Running your mouth? You going to fight him? Well, somebody needs to. (laughs) Don't see much movement around here. (laughs) He was so convincing. This strapping boy is so convincing, they brought him to the king. Now, they would not have brought him to the king unless everybody that heard him thought, whoa, I almost believe you could. Friend, just like fear is dangerous and contagious, faith is dangerous to the devil and his stuff, and it is contagious. When somebody really gets some faith, and starts talking it. And start, I'm not talking about it's a bunch of hype. And just wrote confessions. That somebody's trying to impress somebody with faith they don't have. I'm talking about the real thing. Yes. It's really in you. You really believe it. You're really convinced. You're really persuaded. Nothing can move you. You start talking it. Other people around you will begin to perk up. And they'll go, well, okay. <laughs> I hear you. He said, why don't somebody come and take the head off of that no covenant, nobody. Right. He said, I'm your man. And some of the guys said, you know, I think the king needs to hear this boy. And the king was convinced. And you know the rest of the story. And in a short amount of time, they're out there on the battlefield. All the army behind this one, all the army behind this one. Whew, tension, you could have cut it with a knife. And this giant is over there with his weaponry and his experience and his skill. Cussed him. You sent a kid with a stick? You think I'm a dog? You're going to whack me with a stick? I'm going to feed your insides to the birds in about 15 minutes. And he cursed him and he railed. And this is where a lot of people that started out good... 
start going, you know, he is a big boy. <laughs> Everybody's got flesh. Huh? <laughs> when you get right down to it and you face these things, hey, it's real. And what you see is real and what you feel is real. And, and if you get back into the flesh, you're in trouble. You better stay in the faith. You better stay in the word. You better stay what you're believing and talking. David didn't blink. He didn't stop. He didn't back down. He said, you come to me with your great big shield and your sword and your spear and, and your reputation and your experience. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel who made the heaven and earth. And I'm going to take off your head. I'm going to feed your big old body to the buzzards and all your little friends too. <laughs> and he got him a rock and he started running. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And I believe a big old angel must have got behind that rock and just pushed it on up a little bit. Because when it hit him in the head, it was like a 45 slug. And down he went. Next thing you know, David's over there on top of him. And he gets that big sword out and wham! And everybody on both sides is going, What? What? What do you think about the Philistines? Don't you know they could not believe what they have just seen. And what about the bunch behind David? Man, you talk about faith coming alive in that bunch. I mean, listen to me, friends. This is the reason why so many times the enemy has worked so hard on an individual. Because your victory is going to spark off a series of victories. Your victory is going to inspire faith right and left. And so I know some things have seemed hard and it seemed challenging and it seemed long, but do not be discouraged. Amen. Do not be afraid. Yes. Do not be dismayed. Because yes. the Lord your God is with you. Yes. Just like he was with David. That's right. He's your father too. He's your God too. And boy, that bunch railed and yelled and grabbed their weapons and they ran and they decimated their enemy force that day. Hallelujah. They thought they couldn't do it because of what they're seeing and hearing. What was keeping them from doing it? Unbelief. And when they saw what faith could do, everybody got inspired. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet. Glory to God. 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 Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Just close your eyes, lift up your hands. Begin to thank the Lord for the exceeding greatness of His power. For the riches of our inheritance. The glory of the hope of our calling. Oh, it's glorious. It's very, very bright. Thank you, Lord. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today 
free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.